Welcome to Season 4, Episode 45 of Brody Sports Talk. I am your humble host, Derek, and I am joined by our founder and owner of the Green Bay Packers, Caleb. Caleb, how are you doing today? Um, You know, after seeing some of the news of the last few days, I am considering... Uh, seeing if you or I should maybe talk to other podcasts or potentially maybe I just need to go on a darkness retreat. I, I don't know what's going to be best for me, but uh, I definitely think that something something might change, but probably not at this podcast because I like recording with you too much, Derek. Yeah, so uh, for any of the podcasts... Uh, other podcasts out there listening, I have non-exclusive tag on Caleb. Um, I will need two first-round picks, and you have to pay him. Uh, so, but we were t- we're talking about people getting p- paid, people getting uh, franchise tag. Let's just go ahead and dive into it. So we start from one Derek to another. The New Orleans Saints have bought a used car. As Derek Carr has signed a four-year, $150 million deal with about $100 million guaranteed in that contract. Um, So, like, I think they just misspelled my last name, and I'm actually the quarterback of the uh, New Orleans Saints. Um, But we're just going to go ahead and push that off to the side for the time being. Uh, Someone wants to give me $100 million uh, guaranteed, I will take it. Uh, so I, I'll toss it over to you for your opinion first, Caleb. Do you think this is a good signing? Um, do you think that uh, the Raiders made a mistake? Because he's been a pretty decent quarterback for them for several years now. So do you think this is a good signing, bad signing? This is kind of the big splash thus far on uh, free agency signings. I think that this is what the Saints needed to do because they've kind of been in quarterback purgatory since the uh, Drew Brees retirement. You know, they they had a year where Jameis was their starter, and then they went with Taysom, and then the great Ian Book took the field. Uh, you know, last year it was the Andy Dalton show for the majority of the season. That's not good enough. Uh, you're in a division that's ripe for the taking right after Tom Brady's retirement. Yes, your salary cap is trash. But going out, getting Derek Carr, giving him, you know, and him signing essentially a team-friendly deal uh, to start off with. I don't know if you saw that, Derek. His base salary for 2023 is just $1.5 <laughs> Wow. You know, I get- did get get that saints under the cap this year and uh you know next year the the next two years the base salary can be 30 million that's fine like <laughs> but starting off small working your way up i i don't see any way that he finishes the last year of this contract where it says in 2026 his uh cap hit is supposed to be 55.7 mil and if they decide to cut him or restructure this in 2026, they'll only have a dead cap of that of 11.4. I just don't think, I think Derek Carr either has to be like really winning divisions and making the saints a contender in that case. And I think that he will 
Like if I'm picking someone to win the NFC South right now, it's probably the Saints. But that's because the rest of the teams in the quarter in the division don't have quarterbacks that I know uh, or trust. So I like this for the Saints. They're still swinging for the fences. And I think I like it for Derek Carr. Uh, you go there, and if you assume that they get their talent back, which potentially is an assumption, you could at one point have a healthy Michael Thomas. Uh, Chris Olave was a fantastic young receiver last year. Uh, if you have players like Alvin Kamara in the backfield, you know, he's always had, or he's had Josh Jacobs the last few years. I think that, I think it can work. Uh, and in general, you're not with the Raiders, so you automatically are a step up as far as being with a better organization. I'll uh, I'll agree with you on just about every one of your points there. I will tell you this. This is a crystal ball for the next three years of, the, of uh, what we're looking for in the NFC South. So the Saints are looking like, okay, we've got – quite a bit quite a few pieces here we can do some some cap shenanigans and uh you know and do something for a couple of years because the panthers which pretty decent team um you know on paper like you can you can see that they've got some hope are probably going to be two or three years away from contending if frank reich can, can get uh can get everything under control the Buccaneers organization is in free fall right now. Tom Brady's not walking back through that door, and you've got the wrong coach. The Falcons, um, they they need some help. Um, there's, I, I got a bit of a, of a fun thing later on we can talk about that I've heard quite a bit for the Falcons and their QB situation. But uh, yeah, so at this point, I think the the Saints are saying we're going to win the division for the next three years, and then we're going to restructure David, David, Derek Carr's uh, contract because we're not going to pay him fifty-five million. And frankly, uh, in today's NFL, all you have to do is get to the playoffs. So host a playoff game in New Orleans because uh, you're going to win the division, and just see what happens. I mean, you could peak at the right time and. And certainly make it all the way to the Super Bowl. I mean, I'm not saying you're gonna to get there. The you know Eagles are still a thing, but uh, yeah, this is a this is a crystal ball for me. Of we think that the NFC South is gonna be is gonna need to recoup for the next three years, and this might also be a sign to the the rest of the NFC South. Okay, you can rebuild a little bit more. We're gonna take the division for a couple of years, but then we're gonna have our rebuild. That's just what I'm seeing. I think all of that makes sense. Uh, do you want to go to a, a non-rebuild situation uh, again? Yeah, I want to know about this. I want your opinion on the next point. Go ahead and take it. So, Geno Smith has signed with the Seattle Seahawks. And as typically is done, agents usually break the financials to people like Adam Schefter and whatnot. So, it came out saying three years... 75 or 105 million uh there are 40 million dollars in incentives on this contract so it is crazy it's three years more like 75 million for sure only 40 million guaranteed 
here's what I think, Derek, and this might be a little bit ridiculous. Uh, I don't want to get too draft heavy here because the Seahawks do have the fifth overall pick in the draft. Uh, they have had success with rookie quarterbacks before, but they've usually taken them a little bit later. I don't know exactly what they're thinking. If they think someone might fall and they might be able to get them late in the first round, if they trade up or if they go in there with a later pick. But I think they basically said, we need to have Gino for now. And we're going to do something else for later. Um, I saw uh, there's, there's a lot of people I've saw that had reactions to this that were like, all right, Drew Locke's going to get traded to the Bucks. I don't know that that makes sense. Uh, Drew Locke is probably better than Kyle Trask, though. So it it's interesting. We, we kind of went back and forth on this when we were talking in our franchise tag episode last week where I was like, pay him the 32 mil. I mean, that's what? I guess he's getting an average salary of 25 on this but he's got 40 million guaranteed. So he's got more guaranteed than if he got tagged with a non-exclusive tag. No one was giving up two firsts for Gino. Um, I think it kind of makes sense for both sides, especially if Seattle at some point says, okay, let's restructure or we're keeping you as a backup or we just want you in the quarterback room. But I think it could be a sign of keep Gino draft young. Yeah, what no, that's, uh, I mean, okay, so you've got a certain uh, horsey team's pick at number five. Um, there's a lot of, from what I understand, a lot of good quarterbacks at the, uh, coming out, out of college. And I'll tell you this right now, even if uh, the top, even if the first four picks are quarterbacks, I think you would get a very good quarterback because I think there is some uh, smoke and mirrors coming out after the combine that a, a very good quarterback could fall to you at five um, or the best player in the draft could drop to you at number five and you could just be sitting pretty with a, a very nice Will Anderson or a very nice CJ Stroud. Uh, so, yeah, I would be surprised if CJ Stroud was there at five, but that could just be me. Um, it all kind of is curious. You never know with draft time because it is a little bit of smoke and mirrors. Um, so riddle me this and you can tell me if this is nuts or not, but probably one of the most polarizing prospects right now is Anthony Richardson, and I'm sure we'll talk about him more later. But I saw people saying, keep Gino, draft Richardson. He's got the physical tools. Develop him for a year with Gino there. And then you can give Richardson the reins. Um, now, obviously, you know, that 40 and a half vertical leap is going to be very helpful when he's throwing passes. Uh, set the NFL combine record. But for quarterbacks, that is. Um, and that's sarcasm as well. But uh, hopefully... Like, I don't know if that's someone who you see as an interesting fit there, or if you would say this, the Seahawks should get someone more polished. I will. Okay, so listeners, uh, keep me to this. Uh, a, a sincere high five and a handshake 
uh, me and Caleb see each other a lot more uh, in person now that the uh, that there's not nearly as many uh, COVID issues uh, that are out there. Uh, I am telling you right now that uh, in April, uh, that particular quarterback will not be at five. He will be taken in the first four picks. Oh, dang. This is why I'm saying that C.J. Stroud could fall to him. I'm saying that uh, there could even be a certain Alabama quarterback that could fall that far. Not saying that he should. He's probably uh, my favorite quarterback in this group. But, uh, yeah, at at five, we're going to see some real fireworks. Uh, Back to what we were originally talking about. Uh, Geno Smith, I did not ever expect him to make anywhere close to a three-year, quote-unquote, $105 million contract, which turns out to be like 65 or 70. Um, Good for him. I'm I'm glad he is a stabilizing force this last year for the Seahawks. Did a lot of good things. Um, Let's hope that he lives up to this contract um, and has a good year next year. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, thanks for bringing it back from the draft. We don't want to give too much draft stuff away, but I, I, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by uh, your hype for young Mister Richardson. I, I'm not saying I doubt it. I'm just saying I am very well intrigued. So we will see what happens. Uh, someone who uh, came out in the draft with slightly less hype and. Uh, from a big time football university of Duke uh, was Daniel Jones. uh, And he got a contract today for, we don't have all the details on this one yet because it just happened yesterday. It's four year, 160 million for Daniel Jones, you know, the giants getting it in there right before the franchise tag deadline came in. Uh, 82 million guaranteed. So you could argue that this is closer to a two year, $82 million contract, which makes it uh, far more manageable. I do see a note that says there's at least 35 million on this in incentives. So if you want to reduce that 160 to 125, that also is probably a little bit more manageable. Um, But Brian Dable gets to keep his QB. Derek, I want your thoughts on this one first. <clears throat> okay, so we can no longer call him Danny Dimes because he has a lot more than uh, than just dimes. Uh, he hopefully he's throwing dimes next year uh, to to live up to that contract. I don't. I do not think that you had any other option than uh, than this uh, because you want to keep both Daniel Jones and you want to keep Saquon. And we'll talk about uh, Saquon here in just a little bit. But uh, here, if he, if he can run that, that offense, uh, then they have a shot. But the NFC East is very difficult. Um, you know, the Cowboys or the Cowboys will see what they what they do but the eagles just went to the super bowl and the giants are you know are stepping in and they made the playoffs last year 
Daniel Jones was that quarterback. Maybe you look at, yeah, we have him for two years. Let's see what we've got. And then we uh, we move on from there next year, something like that. I think it was a necessary move, even if I don't think that it was a exciting move. Is this move a little bit bland? Probably. I don't know that I think that the Giants were going to have a better quarterback than Daniel Jones. And I don't think that when you make the playoffs in your first year as a head coach that you can really embrace a rebuild or say that you're trying to start over. The Giants simply, whether you like it or not, they won too many games in Brian Dable's first season. Um, they started off, I believe, 7-1, and one, finished 9-7-1, and one, so they didn't really do good down the stretch. But Daniel Jones had less fumbles and less interceptions than normal. He played far more efficient. And uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, Derek and I got tryouts for their wide receiver room. Like, it was, it was pretty thin out there. And they they needed to bring some talent in, and we said no, we're busy with the podcast. But uh, the Giants were trying; they they were breaking down our doors, giving us tons of calls, and we said, "Sorry, I don't I don't want to come to New York." Yeah, no, uh, I I don't know exactly what to say. I mean, I know we're gonna we're gonna have some quarterbacks in the future, but uh, you know, to talk about another day. Um, I think this was the, the only move that the the Giants could make. That's, that's unfortunate. Well, let's go ahead and talk about something that is a little bit different here, Derek. And I kind of want your take on this first. Because uh, Calvin Ridley, after his one-year suspension, has now been reinstated by the NFL. And, of course, he's reinstated as a member of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, what does this mean, of course, for Calvin Ridley? Do you think he can kind of bounce back to being who everyone thought he was? And what does this mean for uh, the current reigning AFC South champions, Duval? Yeah, so with this uh, move, uh, which I completely support i think that uh reinstatement uh he's done his time he set out an entire year maybe uh, a little too big of a punishment there but this gives uh, another weapon for trevor lawrence this gives a uh a shot that that uh i mean another wide receiver down there that you can do something with and you know, Doug Peterson knows what he's doing when it comes to, uh, to that team. And I think they're just going to get better. So for me, this is a, a great thing for the league, a great thing for the Jaguars, and a great thing for Doug Peterson himself. I mean, I think it makes sense. In general, I would also agree you do your time, you're there. Personally, I typically thought Calvin Ridley was at least a little bit overrated when he was a number one. And I'm not sure that I see him as a true number one in Jacksonville. Uh, you can debate me with this if you want, Derek, but I thought Trevor Lawrence and Christian Kirk had some good chemistry. I think Christian Kirk is, in my opinion, the number one, and Calvin Ridley is more of a number two in the situation. Also, uh, 
I know we're going to be talking about tag players in a minute, but we we knew Evan Ingram was going to get tagged. You know, he's making basically an extra million compared to last year. Uh, Trevor Lawrence and Ingram got together really well. And I think Calvin Ridley will have an impact on the offense, potentially getting even more deep balls with him and Kirk both being hard to cover at the same time. Mm -hmm. I think it's just really one of those things where I go, how does Peterson do this? And what potentially do we see as a change or evolution in that offense in from year one or two, because, you know, Lawrence actually gets to have some coaching consistency at head coach and OC and all of these other things instead of trying to learn from scratch back-to-back years. I think that it can be pretty exciting for Ridley because, let's face it, he's on a team that has significantly more talent than the team that he left. No, I agree with you. I'm not going to debate you when it comes to, you know, him being a, a number one guy. Uh, you know, they're, they're paying Christian Kirk like a number one guy and – um, you know, I think that, that that's what you have in the in those two with between Trevor Lawrence and, and Christian Kirk. I think that uh, Ridley will have a good year um, in the uh, in Duval. You're you're much better Duval better than I am, but uh, uh, I think he's gonna have a good year. But yeah, he's gonna be a, a number two guy. But I think he's gonna catch a lot of balls this year. Um, and have a good amount of yards. I think he he tops the uh, the 1,000 or 1,100 yard mark just because I, I, I think that there's you can't cover both of them. And I think he's 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 such a good uh, such a good wide receiver that he'll find his catches and he'll find his yards. Absolutely. Well, um, Derek, where do you want to start as far as the the franchise tag players are concerned? Oh, let's just go ahead and keep on the Jaguars. So the Jaguars, uh, they put the franchise tag on Evan Ingram, which you know my thoughts. Uh, there should be two positions that you uh, you franchise tag without thinking about it. Uh, first is your best offensive lineman, and the second is your check down receiver. Uh, Evan Ingram is that guy, uh, looks like, when in Jacksonville. And so you want to give him one more year. Uh, one, you want to give him uh, a chance to negotiate with him a little bit more. And also you want to give him one more year with Trevor Lawrence, um, you know, hoping to, uh, you know, to see what you got down there, maybe giving him a, a better contract in the future. But, uh, yeah, so Jaguars uh, take their tight end and uh, – you know, we've seen what Kelsey can do. We've seen what Kittle can do. Not saying that he's in that league, but uh, when you have it, a special quarterback, you want to make sure they have a tight end. Absolutely. Um, I like Evan Ingram. I liked him for a long time. I just wish that he would have caught the ball better when he was with the New York Giants. It felt like, you know, when you're a tight end or a receiver, a pass catcher, struggling with catching the ball is is not something great. Um, he did set career highs uh, last year in Jacksonville for both receptions and receiving yards. So good for him. I think that it's going to be intriguing to see how he does and how he continues to 
potentially raise his level as being an elite tight end in the league as he continues to work and develop with Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, that's a, a really good thing. Um, so uh, do you want to move on to Dem Boys? As uh, we're t- we can talk about the Cowboys if you want. I mean, I think we could talk about them. We might even be able to just group the position together because, uh, you know, a lot of people are not wanting to pay running backs. So the Cowboys tagged Tony Pollard. Great. Now you're paying Tony 10 plus mil and you're paying Ezekiel Elliott a lot. Uh, Hopefully they can get that restructure figured out with Zeke soon. They had to have Pollard. I mean, we said it last week when we did our tag predictions. It was a no-brainer. Tag Pollard. Get him back in the offense. There's so much of that offense that revolves around Tony Pollard. Enough said. Yeah, okay. Well, that's that's a good point right there. Uh, I think you're wrong. But uh, you make it. You make a very good point, and you say it so very nicely. Uh, do you know what a fourth round pick and Tony Pollard have in common? They'll probably have the same production this year uh, across the league. Uh, running backs are now a dime a dozen, and uh, we're going to to see that position uh, change significantly over the next few years. Uh, overpaying Tony Pollard. Now, not saying that, that you you don't have to do this. He's a great piece of the offense, but uh, $10 million is a lot to invest when you have quite a few more needs uh, in on, on that team. I think for me, it's just a matter of if you tag him, you're giving him that money for this year, but you're not setting yourself up for a long-term bad situation. You're not setting yourself up for, okay, 10 million, 12 million, 15 million, 18. Oh wait, that's the Zeke's contract that I'm talking about. A contract. Exactly. So, (laughs) I mean, yeah, that's an ugly one that they have. Uh, That was six years and 90 million, which was uh, originally on Zeke's contract. That's rough. Um, I at least think Tony is better. And I think in general, the Cowboys do things differently. I don't know that I would sign any running back to a long-term deal, but if I had a healthy back young that didn't have a ton of touches like Pollard, I could definitely see tagging him. I'll tell you someone that I uh, agree deserves the tag in this uh, i'm going to have to go brush my tongue and my teeth use mouthwash and every form of dental cleaning utensil that i can because i am going to about to say something nice about the las vegas raiders um they sorry uh they tagged josh jacobs now uh everything that i said about Tony Pollard also applies to uh, to Josh Jacobs. You're going to have, uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of running backs out there that you can get in the fourth and fifth round, except the Raiders don't have offense right now. Um, we talked about Derek Carr moving on to the Saints. 
Josh Jacobs was the rushing champion. I believe he I think he had the most rushing yards this year. Yeah. Uh Josh Jacobs had, was the rushing champion this year and uh he is your offense at this point. And so you you have to keep him around. You're not going to be paying, well you probably won't be paying a big name quarterback. So you have the options uh for a year to to have your rushing champion. The Cowboys have Dak and they're paying him some money. And then we move, uh, we can move. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Caleb, you, why don't you give me your thoughts on Josh Jacobs? I was just moving right along. It was fine. I mean, in general, it's it's the same discussion. If anything, and I've talked about this with Jacobs before, 340 rushing attempts last year, 53 receptions. Do I worry about the workload? Yes. But isn't that also why you say, Let's tag him and then we'll not get involved in a long-term deal. So if you're worried the workload is going to break him, tag him, work him hard to next year. Don't sign him the following year. That's that's true. And you're probably going to get a bunch of production out of him next year and then let him walk and someone else is going to have his problems. Um, yeah. So uh, speaking of running backs getting tagged because Danny quarters, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him a new name because he makes more money now. Uh, Danny Dimes, uh, Daniel Jones got uh, his extension. The Giants were able to put a tag on Saquon Barkley. Uh, Saquon has been the face of the franchise, has been the best player uh, since, he's, he's, since he came from Penn State. Uh, a great player. Uh, once again, $10 million is a lot of money to put in that position, especially right after giving uh, Daniel Jones the money. I, I hope that I see where they're going with this because um, I know you have to have a running back out there and you know you may you, know, you may want that experience. Uh, and Saquon Barkley is a good running back. I don't know what this uh what this means in the in the short term in the long term hopefully they'll get uh barkley a uh, a contract that has better terms and conditions and not overpay uh and and keep him in that uniform because he looks pretty good in a giant's uniform caleb i mean again i think we're looking at an offense that we say like, at least with Josh Jacobs, you can say, hey, there's Devontae Adams and Darren Waller to throw to. The Giants, yeah, you have Daniel Jones coming back, but you don't have anyone. Like, th their talent is so bad that if they didn't bring Saquon back, you'd literally be like, who's on the offense other than Daniel Jones? Like, I know one because I'm a Nebraska fan and Wandale Robinson ended up there, but it's not like there's a long list of people that you're like, Ooh, this guy's on the Giants. I'm excited to see him play. No, you're excited to see Saquon. You're maybe not even excited to see Daniel Jones, but you're excited to see Saquon play because he might break, have a game-breaking touchdown at any point. So I think it was a necessary move. We kind of talked about it last week. We said if you had to pick one to tag, they probably would tag Jones, but Barkley is someone that they need in that offense. The fact that the Giants were able to pull off both 
makes it a really good day for the Giants. Yeah, that is uh, good. So um, our our last spot that we have here, um, I'm I'm just going to read the title, what happened, and Caleb, you get first reactions because uh, I have a little bit of a of an overreaction, I think. So the Baltimore Ravens have put a franchise tag on Lamar Jackson. It is the non-exclusive tag, which means that they he, they will be paying him around $35 million, and he has the right to go to the other 31 NFL teams to try and get a better contract. Um, the Once he brings back the contract from the other teams, then the Ravens have the right to match it, and if they do not match it, the team that he signs with has to give up two first-round picks to the Ravens. That's the uh, that's the black and white of the uh, of the tag. Caleb, tell me your opinion. I feel like the Ravens are playing with a little bit of fire here. Um. I really don't like the non-exclusive tag for Lamar. The only reason I think it makes some sense is because the Ravens weren't getting anywhere with their negotiations with Lamar. And if I'm someone who's signing Lamar to a deal, I'm trying to put so much money in that like first and second year that the Ravens are going to have to give up so much in order to match this contract. If you are a team like the Jets or the Texans. You should be trying to do this immediately. Even if you wanted to say the Colts, like they have not had anything since Andrew Luck retired. They've been a, a turning wheel at the quarterback position. Uh, there's one team that I don't think would actually go through with it, but I would be really intrigued if they would, because uh, they don't like first round picks. And they love good quarterback play, and that'd be the uh, the Rams. I think it'd be really interesting to see if the Rams tried to go out there and do something with this, because Stafford looked like a shell of himself last year, and yeah, Baker looked okay in a few starts, but Lamar Jackson is Lamar Jackson. So, I I think that in general, we might have seen him play his last down in a Ravens uniform. And I don't feel too hyperbolic about saying that. So that might, I don't know if I stole from your overreaction, but I don't, I don't know what the Ravens are doing here. They're taking a risk and potentially losing their franchise guy in the process. Derek, I'll, I'll let you go. Baltimore, hear me. Um, there is very few reasons that uh, people are coming to sit in your stadium and watching your football team. One of those reasons is Lamar Jackson. If you think you can get a better quarterback out on the market or uh, draft someone with these uh, first-round picks that that you would get back, um, you're probably wrong. Uh, he, this man is a MV, former MVP. Um, he has over a hundred touchdowns. 
Um, and you are playing against someone that doesn't have an, an agent. Um, so, uh, scared money don't make no money. Um, you should have taken care of this ages ago. And I understand the whole guaranteed money that Cleveland gave up for their quarterback, you know, is going to hamstring them for, for years to come, except that your quarterback has won a bunch of games and he's probably the reason that you have won a bunch of games. I understand that you have a pro bowl backup quarterback. I get it. Um, except for the fact that you have an MVP caliber quarterback that played for you and you are stupid. Just, I'm just going to put it out there. Um, you need to get this deal done. Um, you test, you, you allow him to test the market, see what the market is going to say that he's worth. Cool. Um, the money is just going to go up. Daniel Jones, a person who is a third of the quarterback that your uh, Lamar Jackson is, just uh, signed four years, $160 million. I know, I know, guarantees and all that kind of stuff. Um, Lamar Jackson is going to get $40, $45, $50 million a year, uh, and you're going to be up a creek, and there's not going to be any paddles there. Sign the man. Just get it done. Figure it out later. Yeah, I'm taking a quick look at the Ravens salary cap, Derek, and I don't claim to be a, a super expert with this or anything. You know that. Uh-huh. Even if Lamar signs the franchise tag, which we don't expect him to, he should be making way more than $32 million this year. The Ravens are $9 million over the cap for 2023. That's what I'm saying. I'm just like, someone can easily come in here and steal your boy. And I feel like the Ravens are just kind of like, eh, we'll see what happens. We'll see if anyone gives him what he wants. You know, maybe he just didn't like the way that y'all negotiated with him, and maybe he just went somewhere else. Maybe it is the guaranteed money. Do you know who has a quarterback left with one year on their deal that they would probably trade? and has paid guaranteed money. Uh, the Vikings. I don't want Lamar Jackson in my division. What if the Packers trade Aaron Rodgers and then go sign Lamar Jackson to crazy money? Now that'd be, I would be okay with it. Like, I just feel like there's so many things that can happen that the Ravens can't expect. They should have done the exclusive tender. They should have done the exclusive tender and kept negotiating. So um, about uh, four or five hours ago, uh, Field Yates, who's a respected news reporter, uh, says teams that are reportedly will not be pursuing a deal with Lamar Jackson 
are the Falcons, the Dolphins, the Panthers, the Commanders, and the Raiders. Something is happening. Uh, something is happening because all those teams are the teams that I would say, oh yeah, the Falcons, if you can get Lamar Jackson to the Falcons, you do you know what you could do in Atlanta? Like, it would be huge. And the Falcons are out. Okay, the Dolphins, cool. They have two, uh, they're fine. The Panthers, who do they have at quarterback? You're telling me that he wouldn't upgrade your... The Commanders, good choice. I don't like the Commanders. Uh, the Raiders, what are you talking about? What about this? Sign Lamar Jackson, trade him to the Patriots. How about that? Let's you know trade Mac Jones for Lamar Jackson. Because that's how much you're playing, Raiders. Ra- Ravens, you're playing that... Uh, I don't. I don't even know. I. 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 I am so confused at this point. I'm just looking through uh, my notes here. I, I think that that's all we can really say. Like, if I were to sit here and say there are two teams that are not going to do this deal, it is the Chiefs and the Bills. Okay, probably the Bengals won't either. Everyone else is probably interested in Lamar Jackson right now. I. I Okay, so that was uh, this week's Brody Bites episode of uh, Brody Sports Talk. Uh, if you uh, if you want to reach out to us and tell me how much my rants hurt your ears, go ahead and hit us up on Twitter at Brody Talk. Our link tree has all of our links: l i n k t r dot e e slash Brody Talk. Uh, my uh, co-host on the other side over there has been Caleb Walgren. He is the best. Uh, my name is Derek Rusnick. Do me a favor and have a wonderful day. Bye.